0: this new heaven and this new earth uh, when you hear different people uh, speak about that they talk about a heaven here and a heaven there and the stratosphere and the ionosphere and this sphere and that sphere but in the eternal things of God he hasn't created a different atmosphere or a different stratosphere he's created a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He has created a new heaven, and he's created a new Jerusalem. There are three separate things. In Isaiah 60, <clears throat> we could read we could read let's read uh, verse 11 because we're going to need it in a little bit. And your gates will be open continually. They will not be closed day or night, so that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations. With their kings led in procession. Verse 13. The glory of Lebanon will come to you. The juniper, the box tree, the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. And the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despised you will bow themselves to the sole of your feet. And they will call you the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So as, as these prophecies begin to develop, we see exactly things in Isaiah that we see in Revelation 21, 22. And we see that these prophecies were fulfilled in, Je- in Revelation 21 in the New Jerusalem. Uh, <clears throat> for example, in verse 19, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. Your sun will set no more, neither will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and the days of your morning will be finished. Now in Revelation 21, verse 23, he said, And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it And its lamp is the Lamb. Then look at the next verse. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk by its light. You see that? 21, 24. And the nations of them who are saved shall walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. So now this is in the eternal kingdom. And there's going to be an earth, and there's going to be kings upon the earth. And they're going to bring their glory and honor into the new Jerusalem. Because those who rule on the new earth will have their citizenship in the new Jerusalem. See, Jesus said, to those who are faithful, they'll rule over ten cities, or over five cities. So those who rule on the earth will actually have their citizenship in the new Jerusalem. They will proceed out of the New Jerusalem and rule over the nations of the New Earth. The reason is because they are like Christ and they will rule like Christ. Their character is like him. Their disposition is like him. Their attitudes are like him. They are like him. And so they can go and rule in that same character. They won't be taking bribes and So forth, will they? No, because their citizenship is in the New Jerusalem. And they won't rule like Castro, will they? No, because they have come to the character of Christ. So they will rule in humility in this time period. Now we know in the millennium they're going to rule with a rod of iron, right? But in this time period they will rule in humility. They will rule in righteousness. Because the foundation of God's throne is a foundation in righteousness, isn't it? So, we find that the prophecies in Isaiah are fulfilled in Revelation 21. Now, one interesting thing in verse 22. Let's look at uh, verse, uh, let's just read from 19 on we see the perfection of the city. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth Sardux, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh Jason, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass, and I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God is it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, For there shall be no night there. Its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean. No one who practices abominations and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now everybody's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Those who are born again have their names written in the book of life. But those who are totally given to Christ, their name is written in his book because they belong to him. In Revelation 20, uh, verse 12, he said, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, plural, and another book was opened. So there's many books now we're talking about, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, which, that is, the second death of the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So the minimum requirement to escape the lake of fire is to have your name in the book of life. But no one can come into New Jerusalem unless their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They're the ones who belong to him. They have given themselves totally to him and to no other. The two have become one flesh. Now in the, in the plan of God, only the overcomers inherit the new, the new Jerusalem. In, in chapter 21, verse um, 7, <clears throat> He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, unbelieving, and abominable murderers, immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So he's, he's explaining about the New Jerusalem, and he says, He that overcomes shall inherit these things. So the New Jerusalem is for the overcomer. When Jesus was speaking to the seven churches, in Revelation 2 and 3. He was saying over and over and over, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, shall inherit. My logical mind says that if you don't overcome, you won't inherit. Is that right? If only the overcomers inherit, those who don't overcome will not inherit. But then they have to be someplace, don't they? have to be someplace like somebody said everybody has to be someplace <laughs> some will be in hell but how about all the nations of those who are saved See? so it looks like the nations of those who are saved are going to be on the new earth and then the kingdom has its headquarters at the throne of God which is in New Jerusalem So the kings who who have their citizenship in the New Jerusalem can go and rule upon the earth in righteousness. But their citizenship is in heaven, in New Jerusalem, so they can bring their glory and honor into that New Jerusalem. But what about these in the New Heaven? Uh, In the New Jerusalem there is no temple. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. So in Revelation 7, we find another group that are in the middle of the tribulation. Revelation 7, he says about this great multitude. Verse 9. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, "'Standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb, "'clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. "'And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, "'Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb.' "'And all the angels were standing around the throne "'and round the elders and the four living creatures. "'They fell on their faces before the throne "'and worshiped God, saying, Amen. "'Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor "'and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.'" And one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And from where have they come? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne, shall spread his tabernacle over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun beat down on them any more nor any heat. For the Lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd, and he shall guide them to springs of the water of life, and God shall wipe every tear from their eyes. So we see in the middle of the tribulation there's a great multitude which no man can number, of every and tribe tongue from everywhere. And they're gathered up before the throne of God. They're not on the throne of God, they're before the throne of God. And the angel said to John, who are all these people? John said, well, you know. He said, these are the ones who have come out of the tribulation, the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. That's not the New Jerusalem, because in the New Jerusalem, there is no temple. And they serve him day and night. But in New Jerusalem, there's no night, is there? It's always day there, because the glory of God illuminates the New Jerusalem. So they serve him day and night in his temple. And it says that God is going to spread his tabernacle over them, or his tent over them. So where would that be? See? If there's no temple in New Jerusalem, and they are before the throne of God, not on the throne of God, and God spreads his tabernacle over them, where are they going to be? <laughs> there's only one place. That's a new heaven, isn't it? That's a new heaven. So, in that way, in that way, we can find people that's everywhere. Because God has a place for everybody. But everybody is not in the same place. See, in Revelation 6, you find another group. Verse 9. In Revelation 6, verse 9. When he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had be, should be completed also. So now we find those who are in heaven. They've been already up there. And they are under the altar. And they're crying out for vengeance. They're saying, How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? We died wrongfully. So you've got to avenge our blood. But when Jesus was crucified, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When Stephen was stoned, he said, Father, forgive them. So we see how far these people have come. They're born again, right? But they haven't come to any measure of perfection. Because they still have bitterness in their life, and they're crying out for vengeance. Hmm. Then, in in Revelation 15, we find another group. Verse 2, And they saw, saw, as it were, a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had come off victorious from the beast and from his image and from the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, etc. So, they were standing on this sea right here. This is made from the looking, the mirrors of the women. So, they were standing on this sea of glass, singing the song of Moses, the bondservant of God. So, when was it they sang the song of Moses? It was just after they crossed the Red Sea. So they had got out of Egypt, all right. They had crossed the Red Sea. Then they they sang the song of Moses. So we see that they had got as far as the labor here. Then we found this other group, this great multitude which no man could number of every kindred, tribe, and tongue. They're standing here before the throne of God. Then in Revelation 3... verse 21 he said he who overcomes I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I overcame and sit down with my father on his throne so now there's another group who overcome and they sit right here on the throne of God see so God has a place for everybody But everybody's not in the same place. So I believe that if the church understood that, that they wouldn't waste their time arguing about these doctrines. Or arguing about these doctrines. Or arguing about these doctrines. About the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so forth. They would just, like we said the other night, put in their 35 cents, pay the toll, and let's go on. You know. There's no use at the toll booth the rest of your life. Let's go on and complete the purpose of God, to bring joy to God's heart. Because this is what brings joy to God's heart, when people have fulfilled his purpose and have come to full maturity, they have come to perfection. (coughs) Now, people object to this idea of new heavens and a new earth. They're going to say heaven is one place. But look in Isaiah 65, Most all these things you can find in Isaiah. And when you read through the book of Isaiah, and you should every little bit, you should read through it. And mark these things that you see in the tabernacle. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how many things there are. In Isaiah 65, verse 17. When you see that Jerusalem in many of these prophecies are speaking about the new Jerusalem, not the earthly Jerusalem, they're speaking about the heavenly Jerusalem. When you read the context, you'll know he's not talking about the earthly Jerusalem. Verse 17, Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever. In what I create, for I create Jerusalem for rejoicing, and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem, and be glad in my people, and there shall no longer be in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. So here we see that he creates new heavens and new earth, and he creates Jerusalem for rejoicing. Look at Isaiah 66. Verse 20 Then that shall bring all your brethren from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord on horses and chariots and litters, on mules and on camels, to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. I will also take some of them for priests and for Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. It's an interesting thing when you study the tabernacle and you see that the Levites could only minister here. Under the old covenant, the Levites could only minister here. Only the priests, the sons of Aaron, could come in here. But they were all of the same family, of the family of the Levites, because Aaron was also a Levite. But he says, I'm going to take some of them for priests and some for Levites. (laughs) And he's going to bring them to his holy mountain, Jerusalem. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares the Lord... So your offspring and your name will endure. <clears throat> so as we dis- as we study the whole Scripture, we see that it's not strange to have new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwell. In Second Peter three, <clears throat> in Second Peter three, <clears throat> verse fourteen. I think I'll read from verse 10 down because it sets the context and it shows the change that God is after in our life. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. We know that's going to be following the millennium. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, brethren, since we look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless and regard the patience of the Lord to be salvation just as our beloved brother Paul according to wisdom given to him wrote you. So Peter also says that seeing that this whole earth and everything are going to melt with intense heat and then God is going to make new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells what sort of people should we be? so be careful to be found by him spotless and blameless when he comes you'll find warnings and warnings like that through the Bible and through the book of Hebrews many many warnings like that so God is going to in the eternal things he's going to create a new earth the first earth is going to pass away there's not going to be any more seas it's all going to be earth then he's going to create a new heaven And then he's going to create a new jerusalem in fact he's creating the new jerusalem right now (laughs) he's creating it in his people or when we preach on the kingdom of god we say the kingdom has to come to you personally the kingdom comes to the throne that's in your life personally that's where, that's where Jesus sets up his throne, and it's from there that he rules your life. And it's from there that the Holy Spirit points out things in your life that are wrong. They're not like Jesus. So as we begin to change those things, which we can't do ourselves, but we can submit to God's change and his discipline. And as God disciplines us and changes us, we become more and more like Jesus. Or, beholding him, we are being transformed from glory unto glory. See? So that transformation is an essential part of the Christian life. We also see that it's through trials and sufferings that God changes us from what we are. Sometimes just in the trials and the suffering, he reveals to you things that are not like him. And in the trial and the suffering, we can cry out to God to take those things away, and he will. And that's how the kingdom comes. But when we're speaking about the kingdom coming to us personally, we're speaking about God preparing us for that city, which is the kingdom in eternity. See, So we have to be transformed from glory unto glory to fit into the city which has the glory of God.